0: We've been in this series, it's a really short series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, Rich did the opening, I did part two, and I guess we'll call this part three, even though I'm going to double back on some of the stuff that I talked about. And so last week we started to get through some of the different gifts and we still have two to go through and kind of give a quick definition and overview of AJ said he threw some more notes in there did he put some of those did he put the different gifts in there in the notes does anybody know if not maybe he'll pull them up in a little bit but if you remember let me let me go over what our goal was for the for these last two weeks and we hit some of these and we're going to hit the rest of them hopefully today God willing so what I wanted to do in these quick two weeks of this is I wanted to deal with a little bit of church and the different movements and the need for balance. Um, I wanted to talk about the need for gifts of the Spirit and the balance of the fruit of the Spirit. They flow together, right? So in the past, we've seen seemingly two different encampments or camps. One that really stresses the fruit of the Spirit and one that really stresses the gifts of the Spirit. How many know that God likes them to mesh? Yeah, yeah. So, if I move in a gift of prophecy or healing and different things, I should be a loving, kind person. Right? I've met some mean, gifted preachers over the last 40 years I just have. God uses them, God loves them, but they're not so nice. We're supposed to have the two that flow together, Amen? You look at Galatians 22, I believe it is, and 23, and we're going to talk about um, 1 Corinthians 13. Remember, our text was 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. We're going to talk a little bit about order versus disorder in the church, the gifts, and specifically tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. We talked a little bit last week, we'll hit it again, about are we supposed to pursue and desire spiritual gifts? Yes, I'm going to show you scripturally we are. We talked about why last week. The why is not to make you look spiritual, yeah. right? The why is because people need your spiritual gifts. Amen. It's not about puffing you up or saying, man, you're, you gave a credible prophecy or you got great faith or you got great healing. Listen, listen. The greatest healing evangelists that ever walked the earth, their healing anointing was not for themselves. Amen. It was to lay hands upon the sick and to see them recover. So we will hit that a little bit more. Does every believer have at least one or more gifts? They do. It's very clear. So. Last week, we started to do a brief description of the different gifts. I don't have time to go back. You can maybe listen to them. But we, we ended on, we never got to tongues and interpretation of tongues. So let me give you a quick um, definition. We'll talk about these a little bit. And then we're going to make sure, I think it's very important in this teaching series that we, we differentiate the difference between the gift of tongues an interpretation of tongues and being filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. So right here right now I can speak in tongues. I do not have the gift of tongues or interpretation of tongues. Never had it. Just don't. I can prophesy. There's probably times that I could have jumped in a tongues and interpretation of tongues but that's not my gifting. But. Like Paul says, we should all pray in the spirit. We should pray with unknown tongues. Amen. Amen. I know there's a lot of confusion sometimes over that. And so hopefully we'll bring some clarity. All right. So different kinds of tongues is the gift of speaking supernaturally in a language not known by the individual. So any way you look at it, that language that you're speaking, you don't know what it is. That's why so many people get a little disturbed, freaked out, confused, right, by it, because it kind of goes against our natural mind. The plural allows for different forms, possibly harmonizing known spoken language like Acts and the unknown utterance like in Corinthians, designed particularly for praying and singing in the Spirit. And we will discuss, of course, the difference of being baptized in the Spirit. So this is, and we're going to talk about it in 14, this is when somebody has a gift of tongues and usually in a a corporate setting or in a Bible study or whatever, God moves upon them. They speak in an unknown tongue, right? And then either themselves or somebody there interprets the tongue. What was brought forth in a Unknown language is now brought into the natural, into English, or whatever your language is. Do we understand that? Yeah. Okay. So the interpretation of tongues is a gift of rending the, trans, the transnational, or the transnational, excuse me, but not irrational message of the spirit, meaningful to others when exercised in public. What it is not is a translation of a foreign language. So we are not translating Japanese, right? Even though you've heard of that before, right? I've heard of people going to foreign nations and God using this where they have never spoke a, a language and God supernaturally gives them a language and they find out they were speaking in their that native tongue. That can happen. I've never seen that happen. I know of many times it has happened. So... So this is a work of the Holy Spirit, amen? Tongues and interpretation of tongues. So let me just go over this really quick, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I could get caught up in this a long time. We know that that Rich loves American history, and I probably should go back and do a little bit more American history myself, but I love also um, history of the church, Personally, um, because remember, I told you last week if you if you want to understand the the present day church and where we are at as far as a corporate body of belief, you also have to be a student to understand some of the great movements that happened in church history. It doesn't mean that we study them to encamp there or live there, right so You know that in the midst of, so let's just clarify, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's just, right? So just because God moves in a certain time in a certain way doesn't mean he throws out other truth in his word. What I mean by that, let me give you a couple examples. So, in the Pentecostal movement in the 1900s, an Azusa Street hit. How many of you have ever heard of Azusa Street? Yeah. When God poured out afresh, many believe that was the beginning of what they called the Pentecostal movement. Amen. Where to that, not, not completely, but for the most part, the church was pretty ignorant of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so it, in the early 1900s, it hits, it spreads like wildfire. People are getting saved, people are speaking in tongues, and miracles are happening. Of course, there's great controversy in the church. There's many that are rejecting it, saying they're of the devil, it's not God, and, and whatnot. Yeah. So understand this, in that movement, and when God moved, there's always comes extremes. Yeah. Let me tell you one of the extremes of teachings that came out of that movement, that if you didn't speak in tongues, you weren't a Christian. And that's not biblical but they swung that way for quite a season until eventually they got their doctrine straight and it landed in the middle of the understanding of being born again is asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior amen and then he comes and he fills you with His spirit and behold all things become new I'm a new creation in Christ right But there's a next level of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you and fills you and induces you with power. Do you remember when Jesus said, there's one coming that will baptize you in fire, right? And so that hits, and so we see the church has changed, and there's certain criteria for restoration that you need to go by. We don't have time to get into that, but... My point in saying is, we had a Protestant movement. We listen, think how many. I grew up in a Lutheran church. It wasn't very lively. It wasn't really anything like Luther, if you ask me. But I'm thankful for Luther. Are you? Saved by grace. The Protestant movement is birthed, is born, right? That we don't need a man. It, we don't ha- we're allowed to read the Word of God. It doesn't have to be in Latin. It's not for the elite priest, right? You don't have to come to a man to confess, right? So thank God for, the, for Luther getting that revelation. And church has changed, is it not? And so throughout history, you see that. So when you get a chance, it's probably good for you to do a little history on the church, and to find out some of the great shakers and movers, and in that came the charismatic movement, came the faith movement, the prophetic movement, hit the apostolic movement, and great truth was brought forth in all of those movements, and I can prove to you why I believe there are a movement, but understand that all of them, extremes came. Do you hear me? What was one of the extremes that came in the faith movement? Prosperity preachers. My God, after I got saved, everybody told me about the horrible prosperity preachers, right? And you're not going to be one of those, are you? Listen, I know abuses came out of that, but do you realize up until that point, it was being preached that it was for you to be holy was to live in poverty, And the faith movement comes and and busts that thing open and says, no, that's not true. That God also wants to bless his people, right? And wants to expand. Let me ask you something. How do you believe the Great Commission is ever going to happen without money? It's not. And how many of you have ever had Heathens tell you that money is evil. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. They, 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 they think they quote that verse right, and they don't. We all know it's the love of money. All right, so anyways, I just wanted to give you, when you get a chance, it's good for you to do that because for you to try to understand where we're at, remember I told you, you're part. this church was part of the Elam Fellowship kind of, yeah. Right? And what does Elam Fellowship believe in? You should do some research there. And where did they come from? And, and what's part of their DNA? So I would say that you'd call us a, a full gospel or charismatic church, right? Amen. Charismatic meaning we believe in the gifts. We believe in the, the, the moving of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the activity of the Holy Ghost. Are, are we settled on that? Yeah. So I just wanted to tell you that Just because there's knuckleheads on this far side of everything doesn't mean it's a bad thing. So allow God to bring you to the center. God is a God of balance. I have to tell you, in the beginning days, I preached a little bit of heresy. Every young preacher does, by the way. And I would always say that God is the God of the extremes and God is the God of the radical and God is the God, right? I always pictured God as being because that was kind of what I believed and that's what I wanted to see. And my, my heart was right, but I was young and stupid. And as I matured and as I grew, I discovered that God really, like everything in the universe, is a God of balance. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. He is a God of order. Yeah. He's a God of power. He's a God of meticulous details, and he is a God of balance. Yeah. And so it's no different when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. So when you get a chance, it would do you well. There's some great materials out there that tells you about your church history, some of the great movers and shakers, the, the truths that were brought back to the church. And by the way, just because he emphasizes a truth doesn't mean you throw out the other truth. Right? right? I still believe in holiness. Separation from the world. (laughs) Amen? Amen. All right. So we don't throw out that stuff. I still believe in the baptism by water. Right? Okay. So we talked briefly. So it's interesting to me. Let's talk about this a little bit. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. And it deals with these different gifts. And I don't have the time to go, but the rest of of chapter 12 is about the unity, the diversity in one body, which is tremendous teaching. I've teached on it many times, but talks about why everybody is important to the body of Christ, why we need all giftings. Near the end, it talks about the church needs apostles and prophets and teachers, workings of miracles, talks about helps, administrations, varieties of tongues again. But it ends by saying... In 31 but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet i will show you a more excellent way so here's a god of balance so we see first corinthians 12 lays out the gifts talks about the the necessity and the need for the gifts in the body of christ in unity and working together in harmony right Amen. and then he says i'm going to show you a more excellent way yeah. and then he goes into this whole discourse about the necessity of love. Yes. Yes. Come on. That without love, nothing, nothing. nothing matters. Right. That your prophecy turns into a clanging gong. That your tongues, right? So here Paul sandwiches in between the gifts of the Spirit so eloquently of the necessity of those two going together. Talks about what love is. And a lot of this comes in a marriage ceremony. How many heard this scripture in um, 13.7? Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, right? Never fails. But where there are prophecies, they'll fail. fail. Where there's tongues, they'll cease. cease. Where there's knowledge, It'll it'll vanish away. For we know, I love, I love nine, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is part will be done away. So Paul, very, in a, in a short chapter, is, is letting us know that we're not throwing out love in the middle of the gifts. And it's just so necessary that I nail that thing down because, because I hate to say it, but I've seen this too many times in the charismatic and the Pentecostal movement. All they care about is the gifts and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And they're meaner than a junkyard dog. Yeah. And that just doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. Right? If you love Jesus and you're a minister, you, you, you should have the fruit in your life. Joy, peace, self-control, right? Right? Those things should also be flowing with you. (laughs) Then in 14, here we'll get a chance to get into the difference of, of tongues and the gift of tongues and the baptism, and we'll talk about prophecy a little bit. But look at 14, verse 1. Pursue love. He's saying, Of course, pursue love. And what? What does it say? Desire spiritual gifts. And it's interesting, it says, especially that you may prophesy. And that word desire, by the way, means to be zealous for, to burn, to burn with desire, to desire eagerly or intensely. That's the way you are supposed to go after spiritual gifts. See, a lot of you have thought, well, that's selfish. I should just wait around and someday spiritual gifts will fall in my, my lap and You know, if they come, they come. If they don't, they don't. So be it. Well, you are to pursue. You are to go after and desire because we're going to discover that it helps other people. Let's read a few of these scriptures. It says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. So let's clarify quickly because he gets into tongues interpretation a little ways down. The reason why he's saying in this context that prophecy is more important in a, in a, in a public setting, the tongues, is because he's saying it it exhorts, it builds up. People know what you're doing. So listen to me, Um, I believe in tongues, I speak in tongues often, probably not even often enough lately. Many times before church, during church, during worship, before I preach, I'm praying in the spirit, I'm speaking in tongues. What is that doing? I can tell you it's doing nothing for my wife, Chris. Most likely, unless I'm praying for her. She has no idea. If I'm standing by here in worship and I'm and I'm praying in tongues, I'm not doing anything for her. I'm speaking a mystery to God. I'm speaking in an unknown language. So, what is the purpose of that? The purpose, let me just give you in the last 30 some years of praying in tongues what I think the purpose is for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. By the way, get a chance to study Acts. When when Peter is called divinely by God, he goes to the house of Cornelius and preaches to the Gentiles and it says the Holy Spirit falls and they all spoke in tongues and prophesied. Paul when he comes to Ephesus says, have you guys heard of tongues? the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They said, what are you talking about, Paul? We know of baptism, it's water baptism. He says, you don't have the full package. Paul says, let me give you the full gospel. And he begins to preach and teach, and it says he lays hands on them, and they speak in tongues and they prophesy. So when I'm praying in tongues for me, what does it do? First of all, I believe it builds up my faith. It does something for me. It energizes me. It ignites me. It, it gets me in focus. Especially if I come to a place in my life where it's just not working and, and English words are not doing it for me. Then I switch over to tongues. Because it is a direct prayer from my mouth to God. And here's a cool part. The devil has no idea what you're praying. Right. Yeah. That's right. yeah. that's right. Amen. Yeah. It's a language that's going from you to heaven. That's right. Tell me that's not exciting. That is exciting. So you're praying and, and, and you're building up your faith at times. For me, I use tongues a lot in warfare. It's just me. And I go into a different kind of um, Sometimes I go into Chinese tongues. I go, I go into all sorts of weird things at times. <laughs> but I know it's God, right? Yeah. So, so in this setting, he's talking about, listen, that's, that's for your life. That's for you. Meaning on a Sunday morning, I, I know there's times when the Holy Spirit falls and different things will happen. But for the most part, on a normal Sunday meeting, it's not going to be cool if you all are doing this. Sakakakaka, and a new person comes in the door. And the whole church is is bursting out in in tongues. He's gonna leave and say, you guys are a bunch of fruit loops. Come on. But if the church in order, and we'll talk about in order, is maybe moving prophetically or the gift of tongues and interpretation in tongues, the Bible says they'll be convicted. And they'll say, surely God is in this place. Yes, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. So in verse three, says, as he who prophesies speaks for edification, exhortation and comfort to men. Let me just throw this in there because I think it's very important that you get this. Um one of the difference, differences between somebody that walks as a prophet, which, by the way, I still believe in fivefold ministry, I believe in the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the pastor, and the evangelist. Yeah. They never were done away with, they still function, they're still in existence, they're still all needed to the church. The difference between the gift of prophecy and a prophet is a prophet can move into correction and direction. If, if, That church or that person so believes and and, and allows them to have that authority. Does that make sense? When Nathan comes to David, did he give him a good, loving, kind word? The man after God's own heart. He lays him out. And he brings a word of correction. Why was Nathan... Able to have that kind of... Because David gave it to him. They were in relationship. He respected him. He knew how he walked. And so when Nathan comes in and sets him up with a story and David gets all riled up, who is this man? (laughs) David, you're the one. He lays him out. And he corrects him. So somebody that is a prophet that a church or a person sees them in that role and respects that authority, they do have the right to correct and direct, where I believe a gift of prophecy does not have that right. Meaning, if, if you carry a gift of prophecy, you don't have the right to go over to Mary and say, Mary, God just showed me that you, you can't do this and you can't go here. And he's re-. Listen, that's not what the gifts are for. Amen? Amen. The gift of prophecy is for encouragement and exhortation and comfort. By the way, 95% of the time in my quiet time, God loves on me, cares for me, forgives me. He does correct me. But it's not all the time. Amen? He usually comforts me first, encourages me, then he gives me a spanking. (laughs) Just like you would do with your kids. Could you imagine if all you did was correct and scream and spank your kids? What would that produce? Not a whole lot. All right. So the gift of tongues, once again. So I just want to clarify this. We don't have time to go. It does say tongues assigned to an unbeliever. So the difference between being baptized in the Holy Spirit and your personal prayer language that you have between you and God and the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues is a gifting for the body. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of like prophecy to a degree, where somebody is moved, they speak in a tongue, and interpretation comes. You've heard this in this church before. And so please, does that help with clarification of the difference between them? I know we don't have enough time to go into all of it. And some of you may like this some of this doctrine, some of you may not believe in it. I get that, but hopefully, if you do some research and you look into it, um, you know what? If your heart is pure and you really want truth, right. God, God gives it to you, Amen. That's God right. confirms it. God brings it. Yes, you know. God, God will show you. God will lead you. You know, I mean, sometimes He does, you know, hit us with a couple things that jerk us. Listen. And I'm just telling you that I've had, I've had some prophecies before by prophets that were not confirmation. I know that goes out there, that everybody says that every single prophetic word that you've ever gotten, if it's not confirmation to me, that it's not of God. That's really a, an immature thing for you to say. Because when you say that, you say that you hear everything from God and that you have no blocks and you have no blind spots look at me you have blind spots you do hear from God hopefully you do read your Bible you do know truth but listen to me we all have blind spots we all have areas of our life for whatever reason we've closed off to and we don't see clearly and sometimes something will come a revelation or somebody will move in a in a gift and bring something in And I'm telling you, I've been angry a couple times for my prophetic words. I've not always been happy. One of the prophetic words that me and Chris got was about when I was wrestling with pastoring. And a a well-known, accurate prophet, I want to punch him in the face. (laughs) I see you pastoring, brother. And I see you running from it. And I was mad, man. I think Chris was sick that service. I don't even remember, but I came back, and I was so stinking irritated. It's not the desire of my heart. I didn't want a pastor. Amen? Come on, be real with me. Yeah. Do you realize that, and now some of you heard this before, so be careful what you say. After I got saved at um, United Methodist Church, the Wesleyan Church, we would see people come in all the time. I will never forget this as long as I live. I told God that I would do anything for Him, but two things: I'd never be a missionary, and I'd never pastor. Hi, thanks for your word today, Pastor. Yeah, so you know, at the end of the day, you don't own your life, right? And my perspective was because I had such a warped view of ministry, right? I mean, it was God knew where I was coming from, but I'm just telling you that that you better be very careful when you say that God would never do that with me. God is God. So hopefully that clarifies that. I don't have any more time to get there. we got about five or ten more minutes. I want to talk about a few things. So as far as, um, let's read on. I I want you to see this. So I want to talk about order versus disorder a little bit. Go to 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It says, and how is it, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, has a revelation, and an interpretation. What does it say? Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at most free, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But any, if anything is revealed to the others who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, that all may be encouraged. Verse 32 The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not an author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. What is God just telling us there in a nutshell? That he wants the Holy Spirit to move. He wants the gifts to move. But could you imagine on a Sunday morning if 15 people ran up to the altar and began to speak in tongues and prophesy all at once? What is happening in this place? Absolute confusion, right? But he's saying, listen, if you have it, bring it in order, bring it in clarity. One can interpret, one can say it, one can prophesy And it's interesting, it says that the the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So let me explain it to you a little bit. So I've moved, that's mostly what I've moved in that gifting for the last 30 some years. And as I've matured in that gifting, just because God speaks to me concerning somebody or something or church does not mean it's the season to release it. Amen. Meaning. He may have re- and he may have just revealed it to me just to pray and to say nothing. Immature prophets, they throw it all out. And it's okay. We don't kill them or crucify them. They're allowed to be immature. Amen? How many pastors were terrible pastors out of the gate? Oh, my heavens. I remember telling our small church that you're all guinea pigs. I've never done this before. I don't know how to pastor you. I mean, thank God I have good spiritual fathers that are trying to teach me and pour into me, train me. But at the end of the day, I didn't have a glorious clue what I was doing. But being led by God, and what I was telling them is, give me a little latitude to mess up along the way. Because this whole thing is new for me. Part of the reason why I think sometimes we're afraid of of, of moving in the gifts and... I'll be honest with you, one of the gifts that's been spoken over me for many, many times is healing and the laying out of hands and believing and I've seen some healings, not nearly to the degree that I believe God wants to do it. And I have to tell you a lot of times that's just nothing but fear that holds me back, right? Fear of failure, fear of looking stupid, fear of missing God. what if I what if I say something that doesn't come to pass? What if I step out and I look like a buffoon? What if I what if it works? Amen? Listen, if somebody's dying of cancer, they're willing to, ha- to let you have a shot to pray over them to be healed. Can anybody say amen? amen? They'll say, Go ahead and give me all you got. Amen? I'm at a place where I need God to heal me. Yes. And you go ahead and do whatever you got to do. I'm going to stand in agreement. So, be careful that, that you don't allow your flesh or fear to hold you back. You know, there's a lot of good material that's out there, a lot better than the stuff that I'm even probably bringing out today that you can, that you can get a hold of. Make sure that you pass it by a couple of people because there's a lot of weird stuff. Remember I told you, in the prophetic, and prophecy, in the apostolic, in the faith movement, there's been tremendous abuse. Let me be really real with you right now. For all the craziness and kookiness and corruption and manipulation that I've seen with the gifts, I still shouldn't be standing here. And that's just the God's honest truth. But I'm still here. And I'm still advocating that it's God when it's done right. right. Just because people abuse it, just because people get in the flesh... Right? Just because they cross the line doesn't mean I'm going to throw out that truth and walk away and say, well, it's not God. I don't believe in prophecy because so-and-so gave me a word and it was stupid and never come to pass. And so-and-so prayed for this. And I get it. I've seen it. I've lived it. The chaos. But I've also seen the real And I've seen the powerful and I've seen the accurate and I've seen God anointed apostles and prophets and gifted gifted prophetesses that have given me life changing words that cut to the core of who I was. And if it wasn't for sometimes that that revelation at that specific time in my life, I don't know what I would have done. So I understand that some of you probably have some stories and they're not so good. Amen? Amen. But I'm here to tell you that God still moves in the gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 wasn't just for the new church. It was for the church of Jesus Christ, which is you and me today. And so I know a lot of times when you bring up and say that you're charismatic or full gospel or Pentecostal. I mean, I've been laughed at. I've been, right? Right? You're one of those, you're, they've told me why tongues are of the devil, right? You ever heard that one? I'm like, that's really interesting. You know, you, 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 you've received my counsel and everything else, but you're telling me when I talk in tongues, I'm of the devil. That just doesn't make sense to me, right? So, let's do this. And we've already prayed, and we prayed that, you know, your gifts would be activated, but this would be my prayer that that you know you've you've heard some stuff for three weeks, um, do a little bit of diligence on your own, right? Begin to seek God in Scripture first, and then get a hold of some good materials. If this is an area that's really void in your life and you need more insight, there are some tremendous tools out there to be able to instruct you and teach you that will go into the depth of the Word and will will really bring tremendous revelation. Of the gifts and the way that they work, right? See, we have to sometimes do a little bit of legwork. Don't you love it when it said that, was it the Bereans? Yeah. They did some legwork, yeah. right? They made sure what was being preached was right and true yeah. to check it out. They didn't just take it at face value and they went out and they did their own research, right? So let's do this today, let's pray. Father, Um, Kurt, could you come and just play the keyboards real soft? I won't keep you for more than five, six more minutes, I promise. Father, we pray today that, um, that you really, in this series would bring revelation and wisdom and insight and counsel like only you can. God, I only, I brought up bits and pieces. There's no way in two or three weeks that we could completely dive into all of this. But God, we gave a pretty good overview. And God, I believe with all my heart that you are a God that desires your people to be used in the gifts. God, we need the gift of discernment. We need the prophetic mantle. We need healings. We need miracles. We need those that carry a gift of faith to help those that are going through impossible situations. So, Father, none of this can happen through our flesh or through our natural understanding. But God, just like being born again, just like everything that we've done to this date, it has taken faith. So I pray today for those that maybe have never been exposed to the gifts or don't know what their gift is, maybe have been confused in the past, maybe they've seen, as I brought up, the abuses of the gifts. I pray, God, that you would just bring balance to their life. As it was said that we need the fruit of the Spirit, we need peace, love, joy, self-control, kindness. But man, we need, we need your gifts moving. We need your saints flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what a better time as we kick, we went from thanksgiving and hopefully being thankful for so many things into a season of Christmas, which everything about Christmas is miraculous. From the angels, to the virgin birth, to the dreams, to the characters that you used, God, real people. Everything we read in the Bible requires faith. And so today, my prayers, we've already prayed for gifts to be released, that you would give your people supernatural faith today to believe that God has called them, gifted them, anointed them for such a time as this. I know that so many times that has been spoken and preached that it's almost become diluted and watered down. But God, I've preached that message for 30-some years. once you understand that you're called and gifted, it will change you forever. It will give you a new insight into life. It will get you a new bounce in your step. Your prayer language will become stronger. Your quiet time will become full of fire and faith and hope again. It won't be boring and mundane and Apathetic. Got to pray that you'd use this church with great balance. That we'd be a loving, kind, caring church. We'd also be a church with great wisdom of moving in the gifts, understanding order versus disorder. We never want to quench the spirit. We never want to put the spirit out. But we all want it to be done the way you would have it to be done, God. So, Father, we pray for your wisdom in every area of our lives. I pray for those that are struggling today, whether it's finances, whether it's depression, whether it's doubt, whatever they're struggling with. Father, I pray right now that you would cast off every care every weight every worry every lie of the enemy that's come upon them and release this season of Christmas to be most the most enjoyable spiritual time they've ever had in their lives experiencing your goodness your joy your truth your hope your power do a new thing inside of them and as we sung today finally I pray that you would set a fire in our hearts once again. God, watch over your people over the holidays. We pray for peace. And God, we, we do pray against sickness and crazy flu and cold and crazy stuff that's going all over the place. God, we pray for your protection upon our bodies. God, help us to be whole and healthy in every area of our life. God, we thank you for this time. I thank you for every person that's here for their willingness to listen. God, to the word, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.